Well, good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Janice M., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, January 22, 2015. Today we're reading from the big book, chapter more about alcoholism, and we are going to be on page 41, the last paragraph. We're going to read that for context and go over to page 42. Today's readers are, for the um, readers of the context, uh, Sylvia F. will be our first reader, Charles H., our second reader, and then Elaine V. For the 12 steps, Robin L. and the 12 traditions, Katie F. Our share code for yesterday, Wednesday, January 21st, 2015, is... 7204. 7204. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA, to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Robin L. to please read the 12 steps. Hi, everyone. This is Robin L., a recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Twelve, I mean, eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 
and 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to uh, compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. And pass. Thank you, Robin. I will now ask KDF to please read the 12 traditions. Good morning. This is KDF, a recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise Thus, problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media communications. 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all, our, of all these traditions ever reminding us to place principles before personalities pass. Thank you, Katie. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. When you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we we resume our study of the big book on page 41, and that's going to be uh, with the last paragraph for context. And we'll focus on the second paragraph on page 42. Okay, I will now ask Sylvia F. to please begin our reading. Good morning, Janice. Good morning, visionaries. This is Sylvia F. in upstate New York, a recovered compulsive overeater. As soon as I regained my ability to think, I went carefully over that evening in Washington. 
Not only had I been off guard, I'd made no fight whatever against the first drink. This time, I had not thought of the consequences at all. I had commenced to drink as carelessly as though the cocktails were ginger ale. I now remember what my alcoholic friends had told me, how they prophesied that if I had an alcoholic mind, the time and place would come, I would drink again. They had said that though I did raise a def- they had said that though I did raise a defense, it would one day give way before some trivial reason for having a drink. Well, just that did happen and more, for what I had learned of alcoholism did not occur to me at all. I knew from the moment that I had an alcoholic mind. I saw that willpower and self-knowledge would not help in those strange mental blank spots. I had never been able to understand people who said that a problem had them hopelessly defeated. I knew then it was a crushing blow. Two of the members of Alcoholics Anonymous came to see me. They grinned, which I didn't like so much, and then they asked me if I thought myself an alcoholic and if I were really licked this time. I had to concede both propositions. They piled on me heaps of evidence to the effect that an alcoholic mentality, which I had exhibited in Washington, was a hopeless condition. They cited cases out of their own experience by the dozen. This process snuffed out the last flicker of conviction that I could do the job myself. Uh, so the the first paragraph that we reviewed is to just to remind us that... Um, that this person, just like me and just like many of you, we we want to believe that we're up to the job, that this is just a problem of self-control. And if I just follow this diet and if I just, I'm just going to go without eating dairy or I'm just not going to eat sugar, whatever we're going to do, we think that we have the self-will, we have the self-control to be able to control that. And so this is an example that I can relate to so well. So, I mean, this is, I've had this experience um, more times than I care to remember until I could absolutely, like this person, see that willpower and self-knowledge would never be enough for me. So here they come along and they start the 12-step process. And there's uh, so many things about this paragraph that I like. But first of all, they grinned. And that's the thing is that we don't it's a disease. It is not a condemnation of me as a person. I have a disease. And and so it it's very much, hey, you're one of us. And so here he had to say, I had to concede both propositions. And what were those propositions? If I was able to self-identify, they couldn't tell me I was an alcoholic. They had to ask me, am I alcoholic? I have to self-identify. And if I were really licked this time, and that, you know, that's absolutely step one. We admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. And then the way that we then work on the the 12th step is that the heaps of evidence could not be theoretical. It had to be cases out of their own experience by the dozen, and it was the only way, he said, this process stuffed out the last flicker of conviction that I could do the job myself. When I read the big book and when I hear all of you speak, I have to relate specifically from my own experience to be convinced. Even then, sometimes I can have that mental blank spot, that amnesia. 
But the more I follow the exact specific, specific precise directions of the big book, I'm less likely to have that blank spot. I'm less likely to have that uh, last thought that when I walk into the mini mart, that um, an ice cream sandwich is a good idea. I'm less likely to have that. It doesn't mean that it won't happen, but I'm less likely. And for me, you know that I, many of you probably have that that. What was that last moment before you realized that you had to get help? And I, you know, I had so many experiences, just like all of you. That you know, my riding around in my binge mobile, going mini mart to mini mart, which is my version of a bar, and um, hiding the garbage and you know all of those things. But that last time when I came into OA, I mean, I came into OA for the first time. I remember in the morning getting up in the morning and going upstairs to where our, our kitchen was, and I had a spoon in the ice cream container and I was crying because I couldn't stop myself from going to that half gallon. And, it, you know, it was breakfast for Pete's sake, and I knew I was in big trouble. And that's, um, and that's when I could come for help. When I can talk about my own experience, someone else can believe me only when they're ready, only when they're ready. And um, that's been a tough one for me, too. I, I have several people around here that I would love to help, and they um, – they do not believe that they have the disease that I have. And so just like in this example, they have to be ready to self-identify and they have to concede or the next step um, on the next paragraph, the spiritual answer isn't even a possibility. Recovery is not a possibility until I self-identify. And with that, I pass. Thank you for letting me share. And thank you, Sylvia. Now we'll... Um Open up the meeting on for page 42. We're going to focus on that first paragraph that Sylvia read. Who would like to comment? This is Bella. Can I I heard Lauren. I heard Bella. I heard Larry. And I heard Renata. And I heard Kim. And uh, let's go with it. Did I hear Vasa? Yes, you did. Thank you. Okay. You're welcome. So we'll go with those six. We'll start with Lauren S., please. Oh, thank you. Um, I just never know if I'm heard. Okay, let me Okay. Uh, start the timer. Oh, my gosh. Lauren S., as in Sam, <clears throat> a recovered compulsive overeater from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So, yeah, I um, I definitely, well, I relate to this paragraph when it says they grinned and snuffed out the last, um, really the last hope of me thinking I can control and enjoy my binge eating. I find that this program is unique in that the more surrendered and miserable and real I am about the hopelessness about compulsive overeating, the more people like me <laughs> and and the more they relate. 
you know, this is a program for me where the more I grow in recovery, the more I get from boss and kingpin to servant, you know. It's like I go from president to vice president to to janitor, and it's it's peaceful. It's where I need to be. Um, my experience was I came in so apart from what it meant to be to live in the human spirit that I saw a pamphlet of people with their arms around each other and smiling at my first meeting. And I felt so disillusioned. Like, how how do they have friends? Like, how how do you even have friends or, or a partner? I didn't even feel like a human. And what happened with me is through recovery, through surrender, through complete abstinence where I'm only under the influence of the spirit. I'm not under the influence of my toxic foods or ingredients. I feel genuine love. I don't think about the food. It's not an abusive partner anymore. It's not even in my mind. Um, and I just go throughout the day trying my best, my humanly best to help God's kids and constantly be changing myself, my sandals, and not the pavement I'm walking on or the people around me. Um, And my step one grows every day. That foundation, my last flickers are still being, they still get snuffed out from time to time. Not not just about food, but about shopping and, and how I should be in a relationship. So I'm never done. Okay, you all pass. Well, thank you, Lauren. Okay, Bella, you're up. Bella, star one to unmute. Hmm. Okay, let's go to Larry, and then we'll get back to Bella. Go ahead, Larry. I'd rather hear Bella. <laughs> Janice put out <laughs> something there. <laughs> Larry Kay, a recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. I love hearing Bella. Anyway, um, so why did Bill Wilson, you know, feel it was even necessary to include uh, a chapter devoted to more about alcoholism? You know, um, haven't we heard enough already? Um, I mean, if if I bothered to read the doctor's opinion, Bill's story, there is a solution. You know, you know, one would think that I've already heard enough of the problem you know, the horrible progression of this disease and the solution. You know, I mean, do I really need to hear any more convincing testimony? Um, yet in these stories, you know, here we're, we're hearing about Fred and we've heard about the man of 30 and Jim, and it's driven home for us to reemphasize that, hey, you know, th- th- most of us are going to be absolutely unwilling to admit that we have an alcoholic mind, uh, that, that time after time, I'm going to try to prove that I can eat like other people, like a normal, I can eat like a gentleman. Um, so, you know, when I slithered into OA years ago, you know, suffering yet still for me full of pride and selfishness, I began to learn a little bit of my problem, what it was about, and I'd even say that I began to identify in, you know, with others in the fellowship. I heard in their stories, like we're hearing now, something about myself. 
But for me, it would be another five years of self-inflicted torture until I would fully concede to my innermost self that, number one, I was indeed a compulsive overeater, and number two, that I was 100% powerless. You know, um, and until I could acknowledge that truth, I would never have a vital spiritual transformation. And why is that? You know, it's very simple because this process, this practical program of action requires a leveling of our pride and ego smashing it talks about. You know, that's, that's pretty heady stuff, you know, to smash one's ego because if nothing changes, nothing changes. And here was my choice. Do I want to live a free man or do I want to die enslaved to food? You know, so thank God for Alcoholics Anonymous and stories like this so that we can understand our problem and accept the solution. It's not techniques. It's not psychological, you know, uh, simply psychological measures. It's having a spiritual awakening. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. And thank you, Larry. Bella, are you with us? Not yet. Okay. Yes, this is Bella. Did you call my name? Oh, I did, Bella. I'm glad you're here. Go ahead. Oh, thank you. I am sorry. I have some problems with unmuted and mute myself. Uh, thank you. My name is Bella G, and I'm a thankful recovered compulsive operator. Thank you, Janice, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. I could do the job myself. Oh boy, yes, this was my belief before I came to the program. Yes, the problem of my overeating is willpower, and I can do it by myself. I didn't know how, I really didn't know how, and every time I tried, because I tried so many ways, and every time that I lose and I gain double, I really didn't know what I am doing wrong, most probably something with my willpower. I knew that I am eating because I have certain feelings. And when I asked people, okay, so I know that I am eating because I am sad, angry, upset, disappointed. So what shall I do with this? So people answer me, well, don't feel this way. Be happy of what you have. Be happy. So I always believe and thought, yes, something is wrong with myself. I don't know what to do and I feel wrong. And yes, I can do it by myself. I just have to have the willpower. I remember that when I came the first time to a meeting and I heard people talking about God, God, I still believe this what God is connected to my overeating. How God is responsible of my willpower. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, that I continue to come to the meetings. And now I know this is part of my disease. The willpower, the control, the need to be in control. And I know that my overeating is only a symptom. And thank you, God, thank you, God, that I have now the steps to know how to deal with feelings. And it's okay to feel. And I don't have to run to the food anymore. And thank you, God, thank you, God, that I have to remember all the time, step one, 
accepted me that I am powerless. I am powerless over the food. I am powerless over my finance situation. I am powerless over the weather. I have only one power to choose the right choice one day at a time. And today I am choosing to be connected to the higher power, to a, a power that accepts me and loves me and respects me. And today, thank you, God, I know that I have a disease and the solution is to the spiritual connection with God. Thank you for letting me share and I pass. And thank you, Bella. Renata, you're next. Renata? Hi, Janice. Good morning. Thank you. Um, hi, everyone. Good morning. This is Renata, Recovered Compulsive Read in New York. Hmm. Uh, and then they asked me if I thought myself alcoholic and if I would lick this time. And, you know, I need to fully understand what being, you know, a real compulsive reader means. And, no, like I had to, to come to, uh, you know, to realize that, yes, I am, you know, and what does what did it look like? What did it mean to me? It meant that even though I didn't like it, I had to put my alcoholic foods down. You know, I had to take an honest look at my foods and realize that they they cause a reaction in my body whenever I ingest them, and I lose all control over it. And so they would have to be down forever because I'll never be free, free from the allergy of the body. And also that, you know, I have an obsession of the mind that even when the food is down, drives me back to the food. I can't stay stopped. And so and I had to realize that the only way to be free from that obsession was to work the spiritual program, to go through the 12 steps. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, like they... If I were, if I was really licked this time, am I done? Am I out of ideas? You know, or am I still trying to control? Am I still trying to sneak in some of the foods that I can even begin to think of letting go? Am I still thinking that I can do it a different way, that I don't need the steps? That, you know, maybe if I find the right sponsor or maybe if I go to enough meetings or maybe if I... If I, you know, use enough tools, that would be enough. You know, am I just thinking, you know, I I need to lose weight for, you know, until I feel better, until my diabetes is under control, until my high blood pressure is okay, until, you know, I, I, I until I look and feel good, or am I lit, am I... You know, do I know in my heart that I'll always be a compulsive reader and I'll never, ever be able to be like a normal person, you know? And so if I am a real alcoholic and I have the knowledge of the body and I have the obsession of the mind, that means that I, you know, I am beyond human aid and I need a higher power to to bring me, you know, to, to be my solution. And the only way I could have access to that power was by going through this 12 steps. That's the only thing that worked for me. Until I was trying to control it and do it my way, it didn't work. 
I had to let go absolutely. And thanks for letting me share it, and I bet. And thank you, Renata. Kim, you're up. Good morning, Janice. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. They piled on me heaps of evidence to the effect that an alcoholic mentality, such as I have exhibited in Washington, was a hopeless condition. And once again, they're not even saying a, a, an alcoholic body, an alcoholic mentality. These examples we've been looking at are not people that are in the food and can't get out. These are people that are stone-cold sober and still make the decision to pick up again. You know, I think of this meeting I went to like a year and a half ago and a girl was getting her 30-day coin and she got up very meekly and she said, I'm almost embarrassed to take this. I have so many of these at home. I've been in OA for 10 years but I've never gotten a 60-day coin. Why is that? She's free of the allergy. Her binge foods aren't in her. And I think about my experience in OA. I would get periods of absence and I would go back to the food and I would come back and people would talk to me and I'd be told, oh, you know what? You didn't go to enough meetings. So I would go to more meetings. And then I would have a period of absence and I would go back. And I would come back and I would tell people and they'd say, oh, you're not making enough phone calls. Okay, I'll make more phone calls. And I would still go back. You don't have the right sponsor. Period of absence, go back. And my favorite one was, I don't have the right Tupperware. I had so many sets of Tupperware thinking the Tupperware would protect me from picking up. I remember being told many times, the problem is you don't want it enough. The problem is you're not willing. The problem is you're not ready. Well, let me tell you my personal experiences. I did everything that people told me. I was willing. I was ready. I wanted it enough. But unfortunately, I wasn't presented this solution. I was presented the solution in my experience of the tools were enough, that abstinence was the goal, not the beginning, that the fellowship in and of itself was going to protect me from that first bite. And we see over and over again in my personal experience, that is not enough. Because let me tell you, my human resources as marshaled by the will were not sufficient, and they failed me utterly. I need something greater than me that's going to get between me and that thought, the suddenly thought for Jim, the struck me thought for Fred, what can I get between me and that thought? Because let me tell you today, the miracle today is not that in four years I have been 100% abstinent, no slipping, no sliding, no snappy food. That is not the real miracle in my life today. The real miracle in my life today is that for four years I haven't wanted to eat. I haven't wanted to do in these behaviors. That is the miracle that Overeaters Anonymous in these 12 steps offers you. Not that you're going to be able to use the fellowship to keep you, keep you sober and miserable, but that if you walk through these steps and find a higher power, you are going to find a power and a strength and a tap and inner resource that you are no longer going to want your binge food. And with that, I pass. And thank you, Kim. Vasa, you're up. Vasa. Yes, thank you. Good morning, everyone. Thank you, Janice, for your service. And I am Vasa O. Recover Compulsive Overeater calling from Florida. And for me, that by the time I came to the program, I didn't need anyone to convince me I was compulsive overeater. As I mentioned before, I didn't know they called it um, disease. I didn't know they called it eating disorder. I didn't know they called it compulsive overeating. I just knew I could not stop eating. So I could identify that, you know, with that identification. And uh, I, there was no more self-control left in me. There was no more willpower left in me. 
and and I was in big trouble. I didn't have to go too far to see the big trouble because I had seen my family, and I I still seen my some of my family members could be nieces, brothers suffering from this disease, and dying gradually like I was dying gradually till I came to till I prayed to God and God brought me to to the to Overeaters Anonymous. So I was ready. I took step one. I I admitted I was powerless over the food, that my life became unmanageable. I was it was really hard for me to admit that my life was unmanageable. But it was unmanageable with the food, because I tried to manage my life in other areas of my life. I said, how could they say my life is unmanageable when I'm productive? I can do this. I can do that. So you know, I got to see that a little later too. So I was ready. Uh, I really was so ready to find a power greater than myself uh, to help me and just to help me. And I was so ready and willing to surrender to the program. I was ready and willing to surrender to my higher power, which I call God today. And uh, and I thank God that I don't have the allergy anymore because I don't put that substance in my body. And you know what? The power came from God and the help from people to show me how they did it and how, you know, I don't have to worry about the food and I don't want that stuff in my body anymore. Why would I want to go back there again? So I'm just so grateful that God brought me to the 12 steps, to the big book to understand, identify with all the, 50, the 100 people that have recovered and it would, where, where the solution was, and I'm just so grateful to have to follow the steps the way they laid out, and to be free from this horrible, deadly disease. Thank you, and I pass. Well, thank you, Vasa. Is there anyone else that would like to Carol comment? Carol Okay, Carol. Okay. 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 We'll have Carol G. And Edie Me, Diane B. All right. Let's go Carol G first, then Devorah, then who? Diane Diane, I guess. Yes, Diane B. Diane B. I hear Monica and I hear Melissa. Let's go with those. Paragraph. Go ahead. Carol G, please go ahead. Thank you. Good morning, Vision for You. Hi. Hi. I'm assuming you can hear me. Thank you. It's been a powerful meeting this morning, and I've just been moved to share. Um, I was a self-defense addict when I came into Overeaters Anonymous, um, and I couldn't really hear what the book was offering. I can hear it today, but I couldn't at the time. Um, I'd been fighting an unseen enemy all my life uh, and I was using adrenaline to do just the job and and food as well and I was very unaware that I was fighting a disease that was inside me. I always thought that the enemy was external um, and uh, when I first came to Overeaters Anonymous I was a heavyweight boxer and um, I, I mean I felt some real crushing blows on my jaw but I'd never felt anything so crushing as, as the pain I had in my guts and in my heart and um, I was just empty. And I I was reading through that paragraph again as we were listening, and I was thinking that I had to make an awful lot of drastic changes to my lifestyle when I came here because, well, 
my life was chaotic. It was um, always about self, as I say, self-defense. I had to let old friends go, old eating places go. I had to let old shopping methods go. Um, all the external things had to go. But then eventually food just beat me into another state of readableness. And then I realized that a lot of my convictions were also condemning me to problems as well. And they had to go. Um, I had to admit to me, this great I am that I was, that this rock star life that I was living was just only existing in my own mind. Um, and I had to swallow some very difficult truths and come to the fact that actually I was going to have to drop this facade. I was going to have to get real with myself, look in the mirror and say, Carol, is this really the life that you really want to be living? Can you now let someone help you? And everybody in OA was outreached to me please help, please let us help you. And I was pushing them away. I was pushing them away. And I thought, I can't trust people. They're so finite. I can't do that. I can't do that. But I was really moved this morning when we were reading the traditions to tradition one and our unity. And I thought, we're stronger together. We really are stronger together. We're unified in this message. And, and it's an absolute wonderful thing. And when I finally surrendered and changed my life and changed my insides through working this program, I finally heard what the people in my meeting used to say to me, and that was, welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, welcome home, and welcome to anyone who's new today, and thank you for uh, letting me share that path. Thank you, Carol. Devorah, please, you're up. Hi, good morning, everybody. This is Devorah in New Jersey, Devorah S., uh, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Thank you, God. So this last sen- this the last two sentences um, really talk to me. It says they cited cases out of their own experience by the dozen. This process snuffed out the last flicker of conviction that I could do the job myself. Um, why does it speak to me? Because for years people would talk at me and they would tell me, you know, the right, what I needed to do to control my eating. Everybody had ideas. Everybody had methods. Everybody would scare me with, you know, with what, what's going to happen to me if I don't stop eating. But nobody had a solution. Nobody told me what. Nobody spoke to me. Nobody understood what I was going through. They didn't understand that I had a, a, a mental obsession and an allergy of the body. Everybody just said to me, "Just stop," you know. Lose some weight, and then you can have some of this. I remember calling up a very popular weight loss program and saying to them, you know, do you have anything for people who who have to lose over 100 pounds? Because that's me. And they, they said, no, we just have regular meetings. Everybody's the same, you know, whatever. And, you know, when someone spoke to me years later, when I was in the depths of my disease, and I needed to lose 100, I was close to 300 pounds, and they spoke to me, and they told me of their experiences. They were telling my story, and I said, that's like me. And, you know, I was, I was like, yeah, I felt like this is what I needed, another person to really understand where I was coming from. None of these places people knew really got it, really understood what it was like to live in this disease. And when I came into these rooms of of OA, Overeaters Anonymous, and I heard the people tell their stories, I, I was like, yeah, this is home. Thank God, after so many years, 
this is where I belong, and this is where I want to stay. And, you know, thank God, the obsession has been lifted, and like so many of us have said on the phone, I don't want to eat. It's not for me. I don't want to go back there. That's the miracle. You know, I came in to lose some weight, and I did lose the weight. I'm in a thin body today. But I'm still sticking around. I'm still coming around. Why? Because... I I I want to keep working these steps. This is the steps. These are the steps that are keeping me from losing my mind. <laughs> these are keeping me to stay recovered um, and not still having those mental obsessions and not wondering. Well, you know, I got now. I think I got it. I I, I could now probably have a little bit of this or a little bit of that. Uh uh-uh. uh. Because I learned in these rooms and in this book that. One little thing will cause me to have a will 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 pick up my allergy will will cause my allergy to blow off, and I just don't want to go there. Um, so I'm going to do what I did yesterday. I'm going to do it again today. Please God, and please God, I hope to do it tomorrow, a day at a time, um, because my life is is. Um, getting better and better each day as long as I keep sticking around, listening to these stories, looking for the solution, and not eating a day at a time. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Well, thank you, Devorah. Diane B. This is Melissa C., a recovered compulsive overeater from New York. Well, let me, okay, I just have Diana B. first. Yes, oh, yes, I'm, I'm here. Sorry. sorry. That's okay. That's okay. Hi, this is Diane B. from New York. Um... I'm a recovered compulsive eater. Thank you, everyone, for your service. Um, I just was, like, reading along with you and listening, and I, it occurred to me that in the previous paragraph that we reread for context, uh, two different places it says alcoholic mind, and then in this paragraph it says alcoholic mentality. And it occurred to me that that was really... Um, <clears throat> Excuse me. That until I realized and accepted the fact that I have this alcoholic mind, that anything else I do is just not going to help me. Mm-hmm. And the solution to the alcoholic mind is the spiritual part of this of this program. And working the steps is what brings me closer to my higher power. So before that, I could have, you know, I could have been abstinent. I could have abstained from certain foods. I could have abstained from binging because the allergy was out of my system and I didn't have to have whatever those foods were. Today, I don't have to have those foods, but I I accept the fact that I have this alcoholic mind and the way for me to live with that in a healthy way and to not use the food is by um, enlarging my spiritual life. So I just wanted to share that because it just became very clear to me today that three times in these two paragraphs, that's what we're reading about. So with that, I pass. Thank you. Well, thank you, Diana B. Monica, please. You're up. Good morning, Janice. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. And uh, the lady ahead of me just just exactly what I was going to zone in on, but I'll zone in on it anyway. So we, he, the paragraph before, they prophesied that if I had an alcoholic mind, the time and place would come, I would drink. And then they piled on me heaps of evidence to the effect that an alcoholic mentality, such as I had exhibited in Washington, was a hopeless condition. 
you know, thank God that this process, this this recovery, uh, is a process for me. And um, it, things come in little bits of time. It's been over a period of time. I've, you know, the spiritual awakening for me has been slow and, and over time. And I knew that I had an issue. You know, I came into OA because I knew I couldn't control my eating. And it was just miserable and I was hopeless. But I didn't know um, what I didn't know. And I couldn't see what I couldn't see. And so I, I knew that I couldn't do it by myself and that I needed help. And um, so I started working the steps, and on you know it, it it it's it's worked it's worked, and then one day we were reading this, um, and it said an alcoholic mind, and it just the old light bulb just came on. Oh my God, Monica, you have an alcoholic mind, and what does that mean? That means that there's something abnormal with the way you think when it comes to food. Something chemical or emotion, or not emotional, chemical or, or something going on with those little synapses in my brain that's not right. It's not like normal people. And you know what, Monica? It's not your fault. But you do have this condition. And no matter what I thought, what I tried, how much willpower I had, how much knowledge I had, you know... I could not keep that food down, but I was told that a higher power could do this for me. A higher power could come in and remove this uh, unhealthy thinking and, re- and give me back sane thinking, normal thinking. And the other side of the coin, they, they were citing experiences, and I could do that too over and over and over again how many times I was abstinent and I put the food down and one day I picked it up because I just got the best idea in the whole world that it would be a good thing to do, that it would be different today. On the other side of that is one day I wanted to eat and I was going to eat and I walked into the kitchen and I was going to binge, I wanted to binge and I didn't care about anything. And I, for, and I started opening the doors in the cupboard, you know, the routine. And all of a sudden, I started to pray, oh, God, help me. I am a crazy woman, and I really want to eat here, and I don't care. I really want to do it. And I don't know, you know, later on, I found myself on the sofa in the living room, and it dawned on me. I had walked out of that kitchen and not eaten. Had I done that? No. A power greater than me had done that. So I just wanted to give you a little example of, of how this power can work. And, and, it's, and the more I realize those things and understand that, yes, there is a power that can do these things for me. Yes, he does it for me every day. And it's called working through the steps and getting a relationship with this power. And today, I don't have to eat any binge foods. Thank you, God. And I pass. And thank you, Monica. Okay, Melissa C., your turn. Hi, this is Melissa C., recovered compulsive over here from New York. And um, I'm laughing because um, my eagerness to share this morning is so, um, it's just so funny to me because for so long I didn't really want to identify him. And, um, and now I'm laughing because I can even see how my any of my desires uh, run through my crazy mind. You know, I don't always have a good grip on reality. I could have sworn I was like second, you know, but that's my crazy thinking, um, and it manifests itself all over the place. Um, you know, uh, 
my recovery has come in has come in slow waves initially. You know, I first um, heard this message, you know, years and years ago when I first came into OA, of course, looking to lose weight because that's what always for me um, was an awakening. You know, my disease <laughs> presented itself in my body and my thighs before I was really able to accept the havoc it was running in my real in, internal life. I saw it more as a weight problem. And so when I first came in and uh, they were doing the gray sheet, um, you know, I did the gray sheet diet. You know, it was it was a diet for me. And uh, I thought, oh, oh, this is the solution. I have a problem with bread. You know, I have a problem with X and Y. Those are the foods. And so long as I take those foods out of my life, um, yay, I'll have recovery. You know, I'll be cured. I won't ever have this problem again. I just won't eat those foods. And um, and thank you for the information. And, you know, and that worked for a little while um, because, I could stand guard against those foods until um, I could no longer do that because what's really broken is my mind. I have the alcoholic mind. So at some point, um, I make up a story why it's okay to eat, why it's safe to eat. And because I've made up the story, of course, I'm going to believe the story. I've created it, um, and it's going to make perfect sense to this diseased mind, and um, and so that's where I was again and again and again, putting the food down, thinking the food really was the problem, and um, you know, and thank God, I'm I'm grateful for all the suffering that I did because I needed to suffer a lot before I was really willing to see that the problem was me and to look for a solution that couldn't be me. Uh, I couldn't be the solution because I really was the problem. And, um, you know, and now I surrender it to God and um, and and to the good orderly discipline of this program. Um, for me, that's what I need to do. And, um, you know, I can't battle it when I want it. You know, if I want it too much, um, it's like that dragon. I heard somebody talk here one time about uh you know, waging war against the dragon, and that sometimes the dragon won, and sometimes it didn't. And what I needed was to no longer want my and that had to come from a transformation. And now it's like the dragon doesn't exist in this kingdom for me, and that's the only way that I do this. And you know, what a miracle! We celebrated my husband's birthday last night, and you know, I realized this morning I have no. I, I could serve, you know, his birthday tree and put the candle in it and happily sing without a piece of resentment. You know, I used to be able to not eat it, but God, I hated everybody that was. And, um, you know, it's just so wonderful to not have the desire today. And for that, I'm really grateful. And uh, with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Well, thank you, Melissa. We have time for another share. Who would like to take that? Amy. Kathy, oh, okay. Um, if we have, if we can do two minute shares, we can have Arini and Kathy. Oh, you Let's missed see Michelle. How that works. And Michelle, well, yeah, okay. Until, go ahead, go ahead. Okay, so Arini, go. Thank you, thank you, Janice, for your service. Um, 
Good morning, my spiritual brothers and sisters. My name is Irini, and I'm a very grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. God was nudging me today. So, willpower and self-knowledge. They're trying to tell us it doesn't work. We can never depend on people, places, or things, especially on our self-will and self-knowledge. So we really need a higher power, and for me, that is God. Otherwise, we are being self-centered, and recovery comes from being God-centered. So we must concede in our innermost being, this is step one, what the truth really is, to be honest, where we really stand. And step one is the only step we can take 100% is to admit who we really are and who we really want to become. You know, anytime we take away something, we need to replace it with something else. So, you know, overeating hardened my heart and it, 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 and it puffed up my ego. And I wanted and needed my heart to be softened and to humble, to be humble, which is the crushing of my pride. And to be teachable, to be open, you know, to have an open mind and heart so I can let in what I don't have and receive what I really want. So it's that shift that that shift of willpower and self-knowledge. It's not about our willpower. It's about God giving us the will and the power. It's not about self-knowledge. It's about God's knowledge, his word, and putting it into practice. So God has given me the power to be recovered, and I thank God, and I thank you, and I pass. And thank you, Irini. Okay, we're going to wrap up with Kathy Kay because of the time. Thank you. Kathy Kay, star one to unmute. Well, who was the other one? The other Hi, one? it's Kathy. Okay, um, good, Kathy. Go yeah, ahead. I was muted again somehow. Um, compulsive recovered, compulsive overeater. Thank you for your service, Janice. Um, I want to f- return to the word um, alcoholic mentality um, because it took me quite a while to recognize it's not that I have only uh, abnormal thinking about food, but it really extends to all areas of my life. And it took me a really long time to accept that because I had been quite successful in other parts of my life. I also achieved that success with lots of anxiety and worry and resentment. And <clears throat> it was only through my inventorying work and doing the rest of the steps that I realized that my overhaul was not just about bringing God into to my food decisions, but also bringing God into every aspect of my life. And that really is a huge transformation that I continue to work on, and it's really a lifetime process. But I'm so grateful that by listening to all of you and studying this book over and over again, I've come to accept and understand that this is about me in my life as a whole, not just about me and my relationship with food. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much, Kathy, for noticing the time. And I thank everyone who has shared and everyone who wanted to that we couldn't get to. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, 
followed by the serenity prayer. Charles H., will you please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only on page 164. Okay. Thank you, Janice. Uh, uh, Charles H., a recovered visionary. Um, Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you could do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Thanks. I pass. 